Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Let me be honest with you. Sometimes I think non-Christians have good arguments why Christianity is not true. I think the best argument is simply Christians, professing Christians at least. All throughout the centuries, there have been professing Christians who have been in leadership or just the average professing Christian who have not been good Christians. They have not been good examples of a kind of society that believes in the teachings of Jesus. And that continues even today in our culture. And we hear all the stories because of social media. So we get exposed to more failures of professing Christians not being good Christians. And it is, in some sense, a good argument against Christianity. One of the things that convinces me that Christianity is true is not the impressiveness of professing Christians throughout the centuries. It's the Bible. And at least one of the things that really fascinates me is this story in the Bible that's thousands of years old that is foreshadowing all the nations having faith in Christ, that this global worldwide faith will eventually happen that will be centered around the worship of Yahweh through Jesus Christ. And these texts were written thousands of years ago. We know they were written thousands of years ago because we have copies of them discovered by archaeology. Psalm 117 is one of the Psalms in this section of Psalms between 113 and 118 that we've been looking at that were Psalms observed, read, sung by Jews in Jesus's day during Passover. And so Jesus would have read these Psalms as some of the last Psalms that he read and sang before he was crucified. And we remember that says in Matthew 26, 30, that Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn before Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane where he'd be arrested. One of the hymns they would have sung would have been one of these psalms that we're looking at between Psalm 113 and 118. When we get to Psalm 117, it's the shortest psalm, and it's the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's just two verses. And it kind of is a miniature of what a psalm is. It's like if you took all the themes of the the psalms it would be summed up in some sense in these two verses. And here's what it says. Praise the Lord, all nations. Exalt him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now, this very ancient psalm that had been around for centuries before Jesus was even born, We might not notice it at first because we get so used to it, especially as Christians who have read our Bible. This is sort of something we're very accustomed to, and it doesn't get our attention, but it it should get our attention that this centuries-old, even before Jesus was born, psalm is predicting a time when all the nations are going to be praising the I Am, praising Yahweh, and extolling Him, all the peoples of the earth. 
that is not an insignificant prediction because at the time this was being written, and there are lots of Psalms that say this kind of thing, at, at the time this was being written, the worshipers of Yahweh were just a very, very small tribe. It was just basically the tribe of Judah and some Levites. And that was it because the other, by this time, the other uh, 10 tribes had been assimilated by Assyria and conquering nations. They sort of got dispersed into the genetics of foreign peoples. The only people now that are openly worshiping Yahweh are the tribe of Judah and the authors of these Psalms, David being one of them. Now, David was of the tribe of Judah at the time when there were the other tribes as well. So at the time this was written, there was probably just the tribe of Judah. I guess I may have, there may have been any other tribes, but it was right around that time. And at minimum, it's hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and yet predicting this global worship of Yahweh. Now, the Apostle Paul quotes this psalm, 117 verse 1, in Romans chapter 15. Now, he's talking in Romans 15 about, for example, he says in verse 6, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking here about both Gentiles and Jews coming together as one mind and one voice, not two separate peoples, but all the nations who aren't Jews and Jewish Christians, those who are Christians from the nations and those who are Christians from Judaism, from Jews, should in Christ come together with one mind and one voice so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 7, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now he has this mind, praising God is part of our purpose as a community. And one of the things that we understand when we understand how Christ has accepted us, that if we treat others with the same grace with which we know we've been treated by Christ, that's how we become the people of God. That's how we become this magnetic community, this transformational community that people want to be a part of that is centered on the worship and the praise of the I am through Jesus Christ. It's something worth thinking about that if if Jesus treated you the way you treat people who disagree with you, then you your life would be completely different. You'd be hopeless. You would be in a hopeless situation, but he doesn't. It's because of his mercy and because of his grace. Well, it's because of what Psalm 117 talks about, his steadfast love toward us, verse 2, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever, that Jesus treats you with steadfast love and faithfulness. And therefore, Paul is saying that we should accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And then he says in verse 11, this is where he quotes our psalm. He says, and again, praise the Lord. He quotes this, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. He's saying that verse had always predicted this coming together of the nation's along with Jewish believers in the worship of Yahweh. He's quoting this psalm that had been around centuries before he was born as evidence that this has always been God's story, always been God's bigger story, always been God's plan for the earth. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Understand then 
that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, non-Jews, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying that Gentiles become part of God's covenant people by having the same kind of faith Abraham had. And ultimately, he's saying that's our faith in Christ. So he says in verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This faith that God is bringing us into, the faith of Abraham, is when God appears to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 for the first time. And he says to him, the Lord Yahweh said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then he says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you or in you would be another way we could translate that. All the peoples on earth will be blessed in you or through you. This is what the Apostle Paul's talking about. It's always been about even God's call to Abraham. And then later Abraham's seed would be the nation of Israel and ultimately Jesus Christ. And those who believe in Jesus Christ become a descendant of Abraham and receive all the promises of God in his covenant with Abraham. This is what it means to be God's covenant people. He is our God and we are his people. It's always been about All peoples on earth will be blessed through you or in you, in your seed, which is ultimately Jesus. This goes back thousands of years. And it's amazing that it's always been predicting, foreshadowing this promise that salvation will be a global, all peoples on earth kind of thing by faith in Jesus Christ. Back when that would have been so unimaginable. And then in Genesis 15, God took Abraham out. It says in verse 5, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Now, again, the New Testament says his offspring ultimately are all the nations who believe in Jesus. And it says, Abraham believed Yahweh, the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. That becomes a big New Testament verse about what it means to have saving faith. And then when God appears to Abraham, along with two other angels in Genesis 18, and God says to the angels, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. So again, this goes back thousands of years. I mean, this is the book of Genesis. This is the first book of the Bible, written at least a thousand years before Jesus and probably written 1,400 years before Jesus. And you have this promise that in Abraham, all the nations on earth will be blessed through him, through his seed, through the coming Messiah. God repeats the same thing to Abraham in Genesis 22:18, And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And this is that story where he offers up Isaac and you have that language that's very much a foreshadowing of Jesus 
because you have not withheld your son, your only son, he says in verse 16. And the whole story of Isaac carrying the wood up Mount Moriah to be a sacrifice. Mount Moriah would later become the place near where Jesus was crucified. All this language that's foreshadowing this bigger story is just amazing to me. There's really no good answer for it except just a miraculous kind of luck or the Holy Spirit has always been authoring scripture and this larger story has always been the bigger story. God says to Abraham's son Isaac later in Genesis 26, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. So these descendants that are going to be descendants of Abraham and Isaac and eventually Jacob, they're going to be more than just the 12 tribes of Israel. It's going to be all nations on earth. All nations on earth will be blessed as descendants of Abraham. Again, this is going all the way back to Genesis. This is saying this. In Genesis 28, God appears to Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, the son of Isaac, And he says to him in chapter 28, verse 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring, this singular offspring being Jesus. All nations, all people on earth will be blessed through you and your singular offspring which is Jesus. So we come back to this psalm then, and we see that always this this psalm is simply part of that larger story. This psalm around centuries before Jesus was born, predicting this, calling this, saying, praise Yahweh all nations, extol him all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us. And the us is including all the nations, all the the global believers in Christ, and the faithfulness of Yahweh, the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. These little two verses, and it finishes with Allelu Yah. If you look at the note, if you have an NIV, look at your note, it has Allelu Yah, Yahweh, praise Yahweh. This has always been, just these two little verses, encapsulates this whole bigger story that is the story of the Bible. And I just think it's amazing, again, at a time when this could not even have been conceived, fathomed as something possible, this global faith from such a small tribe of people that were nobodies, given anybody's definition, that it has come true even now, even 2,000 years later, the Christian faith is the largest multi-ethnic movement in human history. There is no other faith that is global like this. And it's all happening just as the Bible predicted. And so we read in the last book of the Bible, when it's talking about this resurrected community standing before the throne, it says in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And so you have this, again, this is a prediction of this psalm coming true, 
the resurrected believers. It's all poetic. It's apocalyptic language. There's symbolism everywhere. Standing before the throne in white robes means, I think, you know, the righteousness of Christ. Standing before, because of the Lamb, standing before God's throne, God is all our God, the God of the nations. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They're doing, all the nations are doing, those who believed in Christ, those who have the white robes of Christ, and a resurrected state, standing before the throne. Again, symbolic. But they're doing what this psalm says. They're praising Yahweh, all nations. They're extolling him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love because of the Lamb. Great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Now, here's how I think about it. If we know that what it predicted has already what we can see so far come true, we know the rest is going to come true. That the faithfulness of Yahweh, the faithfulness of the I Am, really will endure forever. We are in this forever story. We can see it. We can see it unfolding through human history. It's happening. Jesus has come. He's died. He's broken through. He's risen from the dead. The new creation has already started. The resurrection is already happening, beginning with Jesus. It's going to happen with those who are in Jesus, the ultimate seed of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham that outnumber the stars in the heaven, outnumber the dust on the earth. God promised it 3,000 plus years ago. It's happening. And so this is going to happen. The faithfulness of Yahweh will endure forever. Hallelujah, Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. And it's amazing to me that all of this is in this psalm that's part of the Passover psalms. The Passover Psalms that were observed and sung by Jews and by Jesus and his disciples and that Jesus was the fulfillment of that night. He sang the last of these Psalms and then went out to be arrested. That was part of the story. And he was fulfilling this story. And it's not an accident that this Psalm would be sung for centuries by Jews observing Passover, not realizing that the Passover they were ever observing was Jesus, the Passover lamb that would be sacrificed to fulfill this story. Just as the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. It's always been pointing to him. And the fact that this psalm is part of those Passover psalms tells us that God has been telling this story for centuries, and he's brought us in it now to continue this story. I want to do my role in this story. I know you do too. That's why you're listening to this podcast. I want to be a part of this miraculous story that endures forever. I praise you, Yahweh. I praise you. You are he is. You are the is that my soul longs for. You are the is that is at the center of all creation. You are the source of all existence. You are the giver of all life. You are the is that inhabits eternity. You are the is that is always present with me, 100% focused on me. I praise you for you are the I am. You are the one who created me to exist in your universe. And this incredible story that is found in your word, that you have spoken to us through your Holy Spirit, that is a, a miracle. It is either unbelievable luck or it is evidence 
that the Holy Spirit has been authoring Scripture written over a period of 1,500 years by 40-plus different authors, and yet not knowing exactly all that they were writing, the Holy Spirit inspiring this larger story, and we see this larger story coming true, and I want to be in that story. I want to be inside your steadfast love toward the us, the all peoples on earth that are blessed through the promise you have given to the seed of Abraham and the faithfulness of the I am, the faithfulness of you enduring forever. I want to endure forever in your faithfulness. I want to endure forever in your steadfast love because your steadfast love and your faithfulness endure forever. I praise you. You are the one who brings me into this story by giving me faith. I thank you that you have given me faith. I thank you that you have given me the message of the gospel that I can believe and that I can embrace. I give thanks to you that you have woken me up and given me this sense that this is what I want. This is the story I want to be in. I want Jesus to be my Christ, to be my King. I want to be part of this people of God. I want to be a person of steadfast love. I want to be a person of faithfulness. As Paul said, I want to treat the one another of the community of believers the same way that Jesus treats me, has treated me. I want to have this mercy. I want to have this grace toward others. I want to have this sense of faithfulness and enduring love and forgiveness and patience and kindness. I want the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy to describe how I treat my spouse, how I treat my friends, how I treat people that aren't my friends, how I treat people that are my non-friends, that I would treat them with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I can have gentleness because I know that you are near. And I can cast all my cares on you, all my burdens I can throw upon you, because your steadfast love toward me and your faithfulness endures forever. I praise you, Lord. I extol you. I lift my hands and I worship you. You are worthy of my love. You are worthy of my trust. You are worthy of my complete obedience. You are worthy of me living and pursuing you more than anyone or anything else. You're worthy of me following you as my king, as my Christ. I want to be your servant. I love being your child. I love that you are my father. The creator of the universe calls himself my father. That is an amazing miracle. And I want to live in that miracle. I want to live fully while all that that miracle means in my life, that the God that created this universe is my father and I am his child. I want to live like your child. I want to live like a child of light a child of love, a child of mercy, a child who is confident and secure that I live in your family of faithfulness and steadfast love that you have been building for thousands of years all the way back from when you first called Abraham and gave him this promise that all the families on earth would be blessed through him. 
This is why I believe your word. This is why I believe your promise. Also because of the resurrection of Jesus, also because of the faithful witness of the apostles, also because of the truth of the testimony of the New Testament. It is an amazing thing that if I just would stop and notice, it is the truest of things that have been presented to me to believe. And I believe your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.